As a horse owner, I always wanted to take the best care of my horses so that riding them was comfortable for them. In the beginning, I didn't realize how complex that care really was. I assumed if I reached out to professionals, they would guide me in the right direction. However, I found out the hard way that it is not that simple. Finding the right professionals can be challenging and I did not know enough myself to discern appropriately qualified professionals and advice that was accurate. As a result of my experiences and finding that others had similar issues, I decided to start Equitopia as a whole horse, whole rider, evidence-based informational platform that I wish I had access to myself from the beginning. I would like to invite you to visit us at equitopiacenter.com where you will find this information provided in the form of webinars, blog posts, research papers, and more. You're listening to the Equitopia podcast, helping horses and humans live in harmony. I'm your host, Kaylee Hansen, and today our guest is Jennifer Bustelak. She's an equine osteopath based out of the UK. All right. So just starting out, how did you get into horses? So it started very early, actually. I'm nearly 40 and it started when I was probably around nine. I remember my parents sent me to some horse riding camps where I used to go probably every holidays. So this is how it started. So, And then I carry on um, riding horses near Paris where I lived and I, I knew quite quite quickly that I wanted to spend my my life with horses. I wanted to work with horses and this is obviously you don't say it, you know it. When I remember when I watched uh, a documentary, uh, I was probably around 10 or 11 and it was about I remember a physio uh, from Belgium who treated race horses and I thought yeah this is exactly what I want to do (laughs) exactly that and this has never left me this is what I do now as an adult as a job so yeah I followed my dreams (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. So did you go right into studying that like out of school? Yes, exactly. So it was not really well established in France. It was very well known and very well established in America and in England as well. I remember. So I started to have a look uh, at some schools in Belgium as well. Uh, But I managed to find one school in Brittany in France. And originally it was a three-year course. So this is the one I've chosen. Uh, So I started with equine studies for three years. And then I wanted to complete my knowledge. So I also studied human uh, osteopathy, which which is very, I mean, there are similarities with osteopathy, equine osteopathy. So it helped me a lot. So how did you learn about the osteopathy specifically? So we started, it was really interesting because I remember the first year, we spent probably the the whole year, the whole first year by touching and feeling the horse. So we had to obviously feel if there was any heat on the body of the horse or we also played if i can say with all the joints where where was the physical 
physiological restrictions of the horse. And we had many horses we could touch. So you could feel the difference. Some horses are more uh, relaxed than other, uh, depending on the conformation or on the posture. So we spent yeah, the, first, the first year just touching, feeling horses and educate your eyes in dynamic and static movements. This is how we, this is how I started. And obviously there was uh, all the anatomy package, all the pathology package as well. And the third year, it was only, yeah, the case studies on, on, on horses. Yeah. So we, we could, we could practice and show how we, uh, we learned the techniques. How would you approach the horse? How would you do the diagnostic as well? Uh, this is, yeah, it was the final year. Yeah, that sounds like a very um, intensive program. The U.S. doesn't really have that as much, so you have to do a lot of searching to find a good quality program like that. But now with all the new, re oh, obviously I studied nearly 20 years ago so now <laughs> the osteopathy have really improved with all the research uh, so many studies we I mean we are improving uh, our, our techniques uh, all the time this is why this is so important to to keep learning yeah to mm -hmm. to improve your your techniques yeah um, what are some of the things that have changed the most um, over the past 20 years with osteopathy or like improvements that have been made? Um, so, for example, I started to treat horses. Uh, now I can see you can treat, I mean, basically almost every animal. So, I mean, you know, cows, dogs, cats, uh, giraffe. Uh, uh, so this is this is not. This was not really common at the time when I started. So it was mainly horses. We, I mean, when I finished the school, my studies, we only started to have a look at dogs. And I know now it's really, really common. We know, uh, for instance, agility dogs um, need definitely treatments. Uh, they also have restrictions. Uh, they can be sore as well so this is what changed the most and obviously the techniques uh, the approach uh, I remember we didn't really talk about fascias uh, when I started so you need to keep yeah to be up to date with all all the approaches obviously yeah fascias was not really no no we didn't approach that at the time Gotcha, that makes sense. Um, do you want to just kind of go in and describe what osteopathy is for people who may not have heard of it before? Yes, of course. So basically, we, I mean, as an osteopath, you don't really, obviously, you see, you know the symptoms, but you mainly look at the primary cause um, of the problem of the horse you're trying to find obviously the first uh the first dysfunction so obviously with time some compensations are 
are in place. So your job is to find yeah, that, that first dysfunction and also uh, your job is to lift the secondary uh, dysfunctions and probably the third dysfunctions. So this is what we, what we do. We use our hands mainly, not machines. This is what I do. I prefer to use my, my hands because you can uh, communicate your intentions. Uh, you, you can communicate your energy, obviously. So this is what I prefer. I, I've always used my hands. Uh, so, so this is, yeah, we, we, we work on the joints, on the bones, and also, as you can probably imagine now, so we work on fascias, uh, muscles, and also uh, visceras as well. Oh, oh cool. Mm. So does it help um, treat like lameness issues or does it also help like internal other sort of health issues? Both Beyond actually, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. you, yeah, you can you can obviously treat, uh, for instance, gastric issues or hyperactivity of the small intestine, or you can obviously, yeah, as you said, uh, lameness uh, in as long as it's still in your area of expertise, because sometimes you need you need the vet when it's mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, outside of your area of expertise so mm -hmm. because yeah, sometimes, yeah lame, lameness issues can be uh, a postural uh, dysfunctions or so this is something that can be treated by an osteopath for instance we all, we all work i mean in england this is how it works but we all work uh, under vet consent so we need to have their green light before we treat a horse Gotcha. So it's part of a team approach then. Exactly. Exactly. That's correct. Gotcha. Um, how has like your style and techniques changed um, over the years? I know there's so many like rabbit holes to go down on. What's been your journey through that um, as a professional? Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, through my, let's say my professional life, I mean, what yeah changed the most is the fact that I became an owner, I've got two horses, mm -hmm. so they drastically changed my life. So, <laughs> so <laughs> they completely challenged my way of working and my way of riding. So because when you are an owner, I mean, this is my case, you need to find, I mean, you want to find solutions for your horse. You want to understand your horse. You want to help your horse. And I am so passionate about horses, about osteopathy, um, rehab. Re so I always wanted to learn how to treat them. I treat them, obviously, but this is what that changed me, basically. And obviously, the books I read, uh, the people I meet give me a different approach. Uh, you sometimes you need a different perspective, obviously, because I'm not a saddle fitter, I'm not a bit fitter, I'm not a shiatsu practitioner. So this is, as you said, yeah, um, a teamwork, and they can help you to have a different approach. Definitely. 
Yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. What were some of the issues that you ran into your horses specifically that changed your way of thinking? Mm, this is, uh, it was probably a poor training. I mean, I've, I struggled to find um, a trainer here in England. So it was an, an overall problem, obviously. So, so I had to find a new saddle fitter. A bit fitter, there was clearly uh, an issue uh, with the riding, so I needed, mm-hmm. I clearly needed support uh, with that. And the way my own horse uh, used to use his own body, he was not really aware of his balance, how to put his feet <laughs> on the ground. Uh, yeah. So. I had to help him, but at the time I was clueless. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a vicious cycle. So this is how it's it's a long. I mean, there is still a long way to go, but uh, we are getting there, definitely. And as I know some shiatsu practitioner as well, so I can I can work on my horse's energy or work on some ac- acupressure points. Mm-hmm. which is really helpful. I wouldn't do on other horses because I'm not qualified, but uh, I do it on my horse. Yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> Did you ride growing up or were you just um, around horses? Uh, I've al- I mean, I've probably been riding for yeah, almost 20, yeah, 20 years now. So I've, <laughs> I've always been surrounded by horses. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> So they are, they are with me. I mean, my horses live with me. And um, yeah, I'm very lucky to have them. Oh, cool. They, they t- teach me so much. Uh, they are the, I mean, the best source of inspiration, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the writing definitely um, is key to maintaining the work that is done um, mm-hmm. through the body work. Exactly. Um, yeah. When- so when it's your horse, I mean, it's, I mean, sometimes, obviously, it's easy to follow up the progress, but you're so used to see your own horses, sometimes you need to have a, another opinion, an external point of view. I mean, with that, obviously, the feeling you can have for your horse. <laughs> so mm. it's really helpful. It's necessary to have yeah, yeah help definitely. from... Yeah, from other professionals. Yeah. Have there been specific things um, that you've kind of changed that have helped your horse's body? Mm, so, yeah, of course, I've changed the saddle. They've, mm-hmm. They both have uh, a bespoke saddle, uh, the the bit as well. Uh, and, of course, this is I was, yeah, I wanted to talk about as well, my, my, own, uh, my own way of thinking. I would mm-hmm. say, because we know, I mean, we know horses can recognize uh, facial expressions. Uh, they can feel your energies as well. So obviously they cannot really understand your your words or your unpleasant words, but they can definitely feel, uh, perceive the patterns in which our thoughts place them. So, as I've always heard that my horse was not good enough, uh, too weak, too long, uh, too weak from behind, 
or he was going to be just a, a horse for hacking. So I started to believe it, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe, no, I, ca I, I can't ride him, I'm going to hurt him. So mm. I, I never dared to, uh, to ride him properly, ask him to use his body. So I've changed that as well. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's a long, long work, a long process, but it's really important, um, yeah, to understand uh, what do you bring with you when you come to see your horses. It's really important. They are very responsive animals, so they can feel a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, um, yeah, it's just common for people to forget um, how big your mindset has an effect on your horse and the intention. And I think that's why, too, um, a person may be having an issue with their horse and then someone else works with the horse and the issue never comes up. And it's not necessarily about the technique so much mm -hmm. as um, what they're expecting out of the horse and the emotion there. Exactly. I it. Exactly. I fully agree. Sometimes, I mean... This is really this is what also changed in my work because I started to obviously I always listen to the owner mm -hmm. when he when the owner gives me an update on the medical history but what I started to look at is mainly their state of mind mm -hmm. and obviously the more importantly the way they talk to the horse mm. it, it has been yeah crucial i mean i had experiences where uh, the owner insulted the horse in my presence and i had very, I mean, a lot of difficulties to treat the horse because the horse clearly reacted with the negative the unpleasant words i mean the the horse was cle clearly no tea i mean it was not his fault obviously see it was really a little bit painful to watch, but we, we we need to keep that in mind. This is the yeah the way you talk to your horse or the way you know, what you think of your horse. It's it's really important. There there is a huge impact on them, that's for sure. From yeah. My, from my personal experience and from my uh, yeah professional experience <laughs> this is what I can see yeah I feel like that's one of the things that's hardest to change uh for people too because it's such a core way of interacting with the world so people meet a lot of resistance um to mm, that and, and sometimes it's not always easy to look uh deep deep inside yourself you no know? no one wants to know that they've been uh -huh. you know not i don't want to say hurting their horse but um, no 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 but I, I don't blame them so because yeah. you you, ca you cannot really know the impact it has on the horse until you live it you know you feel it <laughs> yeah so mm. you definitely have to experiment and be curious and just try mm -hmm. a bunch of different things <laughs> exactly yes correct and this is what i change as well in my, uh, with my horses, and this is more peaceful now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Clearly, yeah. Do you do do you incorporate any sort of um, energy work with your like osteopathy and body work, 
or yes. it's not so much. Oh, you do. Cool. Yes, I do. Yeah, I started. I started. Sorry, uh, meditations uh, during lockdown, and it helped me a lot, a lot to to go through uh, some some challenges. Let's say so. Yeah, it uh, never tried before, but I started to have a look at it during lockdown because we had we had time, and everything was uh, set up um, remotely. So I had the opportunity to have some online classes, mm-hmm. uh, which helped me a lot, definitely. So I t- took things uh, easily now. Oh, cool. So then do you like incorporate a sort of meditation when you're working on the horses? Let's say meditation helps me to be in line, in connection with the horse, to be uh, with the horse. Obviously, some owners can talk to me during the treatment, but I'm I'm trying to switch. I I can hear, obviously, what the owner says to me, but I also want to be with the horse, understand and watch uh, his reactions. This is important to me. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Helps mm-hmm. create that like deeper <laughs> awareness. Um, exactly. Of yeah. What you feel under your hands. And yes. What the horse is telling you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think meditation would really help people. Um, to develop feel because I hear people say that you can't develop feel when really it feel is just your awareness um, of yourself and then through uh, your body then you can feel the horse's body so I think it's a skill just like everything else. Uh, It's amazing because you also work on your own breathing Mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm, taps you a lot. You need to be yeah focused on your whole I mean this is how I I see things when I treat a horse I want to be in connection with him in line with him and yeah it's like um you know as our own space let's say yeah yeah mm-hmm. I think it, that can be really healing for the horse too to have someone just sharing that space with them and not asking them to do anything but truly just listening and responding to those subtle changes of what they're communicating of course, I remember one day. I mean, one of my clients told me, "Mama, you you are so patient." Yeah, but I cannot. <laughs> I cannot fault the horse. I mean, I don't mind staying an hour, an hour and thirty, but I want the horse to work. Let's say with me. I mean, be with me. Uh, agree with me. It's, yeah, I don't want to fault them. That's not the point. Absolutely not. No, you're there to help them. <laughs> and they need someone to reassure them. Uh, someone they can trust because I mean you're here you come uh, you start to touch the horse and some some of them are like uh, what you are doing some of them are just don't want to be touched as simple as that so you need to be clever (laughs) and very patient yeah so what does your typical session look like so I work obviously under vet consent. So when I come to the yard, I meet the owner or the groom. But what I also like to watch is where the horse 
lives. Does live outside? Is he stuck in a stable? I mean, I don't need to ask. I mean, you, you see it. What kind of feed he has? Uh, as I said earlier, what are the energies around this horse? What does he do? So this is what I also look at when I go to yards. And so, and after that, I talk to the owner. What is the problem? What what do you do with your horse? What do you want to achieve? So I look at the horse in static and dynamic um, uh, movements as well. Because sometimes the owner tells me something and the horse is telling me a different thing. <laughs> telling me I feel a different yeah, different things. So I started to palpate the horse, uh, stroke the horse everywhere just to feel if there is any heat, uh, if there is any scars, uh, mm -hmm. any bumps, lumps. Uh, and I, I can have a look at the area where, according to the owner, is an issue. Uh, but this is a general overview of the horse. So sometimes I can, I mean, I've got different techniques. You've got the techniques, the, the proper osteopathic technique, but sometimes you can only do uh, craniosacral therapy. So it really depends how the horse uh, responds to your hands. I mean, some horses, I mean, I mean you can't even uh, touch them uh, over the pole. So you, you're trying to to go on a different route. So yeah, this is this is what I do. I need the owner input, obviously. I need them uh, to help me. I've got questions. Even if I can see many things, uh, I need the, the owner. And this is how, this is how I work. Yeah, yeah. It can, sometimes it's just um, one session, but sometimes I need to see. It really depends on on the problem, sometimes I, I see I need to see the horse uh, in two weeks' time or in six weeks' time, or depending if it's just a routine treatment or if there is a competition in between. It really depends. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, how many treatments do you typically need to give each horse? Obviously, it would vary a lot. Um. Exactly. Uh, if I'm, if I am the dedicated therapist, let's say I just need to see the horse every eight, twelve weeks. I'm okay. trying, yeah, I'm trying to fit with uh, the saddle fitter as well because it's really important. And um, yeah, saddle fit is really important because you need to have the back sorted first, and then the saddle fitter can come. Because they are not, I mean, if the horse is crooked, the saddle fitter can be the, the best saddle fitter in the world, but they're not going to fix a saddle slip, for instance. Yeah, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Exactly. Plus, you don't want to get your saddle fit to the horse's back when it's moving incorrectly. <laughs> exactly, exactly, absolutely. So it's really important. This is what I tend to, one of the questions I ask, uh, is he up to date uh, with the saddle fit and also... There is the dentist as well. Mm. Um, uh, saddle fitter is really, it's really important. I mean, because 
this is, I mean, the saddle is on the most um, uh, vulnerable part of the horse. We sit on the back. Uh, this is the axis of the compensations uh, as well for humans. Uh, so it's it's really important. And they are not really made, not really designed to carry us. So this is no. Do you tend to work with farriers pretty closely too, or what have you found the relationship is between like the feet and the rest of the body? Uh, so I'm not really good with feet, but yeah, clearly, I mean, some I met some horses uh, that are that have uh, shoes, and they clearly probably didn't need to, or when the feet is too long, uh, it's. This is not my area of expertise, so you you can only ask. Yeah, it's a bit tricky because you can, can only ask questions, but you can only make suggestions. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is. I mean, people trust their other professionals, and I understand. I get that. So I can only recommend. Um, give. Yeah. My, yeah, my that advice. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What are like some of the things that you treat most often in horses? Uh, sadly, gastric issues. Mm. Yeah. yeah, typically. Because as I said, it can be due to an emotional uh, imbalance mm -hmm. on the horse. Uh, it can be uh, due to the pectoral muscle. It can be due to the girth. Uh, the feed, uh, the lifestyle of the horse. So this is what what I see the most. And the second one, I would say tensions on the pole. So C zero, C one. This is what I see. Yeah, the most um, on horses. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes so sense. So you're able to do, for the ulcers, you're able to do, like, physical manipulations that help ease those issues? Yes, absolutely. Oh, or that's it really can, cool. Yes, it can be, sorry, I forgot to mention, it can be, like, um, a rib issues. I mean, if you, I mean, that's an example, this is not a general rule, but if your horse has gastric issues, they're going to compensate, your horse is going to compensate, for instance, on one side of his body so obviously this is just a you you just need to picture the thing but the horse is going to compensate and move the visceras on one side and is going to affect uh, the breathing of the horse because the diaphragm is around this uh, this wall of the abdomen so the this has an impact on the breathing too, so you you will have yeah you will have to treat either um, um, the the ulcers or it can be uh, an issues on several uh, hypertensions uh, on the intestine. So you will have to treat that first, and then help the horse to rebalance his thorax uh, because and. Obviously, as there is an issue on the diaphragm, the horse is not going to breathe properly because it's painful due to yeah due to the gastric issues. So they're going to be tense over the chest area. So 
you can see the link uh, yeah, with the primary dysfunction and which leads to other dysfunctions. I mean, it can be... So if you wait too much, uh, it's going to take time to lift all the restrictions. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I hadn't thought of that before. So is that sometimes why when people will have trouble bending or the horse will hold the rib cage to one side? I hadn't thought exactly it with the more oh exactly and also it can cool. cause your saddle slip as well gotcha <laughs> so it's not your saddle fitter's fault see i mean it's yeah. no one's fault obviously but you cannot blame your saddle fitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i remember one day i treated a horse uh and he had was it on the right side i mean he had i mean the right uh, side of the rib cage was stuck in inspiration, so the horse uh, struggled to to do expiration. So what mm -hmm. I what I tried to do is I had my two hands on the rib cage on the right side, and slowly and gently I helped the horse to gain his expiration again. And the owner told me, "Sorry, but can you explain to me what you're doing now?" Because for her, I was not doing anything, but I was clearly doing that. So I had to explain her. I feel like that's the professional struggles of you're doing a lot, but on the outside, it looks like nothing is going on. And so you have to explain. You're like, no, this is really important. I know you can't see it, but trust me, it'll make a big difference. Yeah, there is something going on under my hands. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. <laughs> so she was like, what is she waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> but you just got to give it time. See the results. Exactly. Trust me. And she did. Oh, cool. Are there any other, like, internal organ issues that you see then create, um, you know, those asymmetries and body uh, posture things? Uh, ovaries as well can be oh. a, yeah, a huge problem. Uh, mm -hmm. The ovaries are uh, located under the first lumbars, so this is what could cause, I mean, sharp pain on mares, so... That's why yeah, it's really important not to blame them. They can have, I mean, like, yeah, um, you say, I think you say cyst, cyst? Yeah, yep, a cyst. Yes, on ovaries. Or it can also be just a restriction of mobility of one of the, of the ovaries, which, which can be really painful for the mare. So I wouldn't say it can cause saddle sleep, but the horse yeah, w wouldn't be very symmetrical <laughs> that's for sure yeah could that create like a slight pelvis tilt yes definitely yes absolutely. okay absolutely and then like restriction in the lumbar exactly and the oh. sacrum area as well depending on the the axis obviously depending on the ovary uh, uh -huh. which is impacted but yes clearly, clearly. okay mm -hmm. and how do you treat that uh, with my my hands, obviously, and I had so you've got the kidneys not far from there. So I gently I am trying to give the movement back to the ovary of the mare. Okay. I mean, as as long as there is no other restriction, but this is a feeling. Uh, 
you can feel if there is a movement or not, or which one is stuck compared to the other. Um, so you just give the mobility back uh, to to the joint or the vertebra, or in this case to uh, to the visceral, to the organ. Yeah. Uh -huh. In this case. Oh, that's really cool. So how do you actually create those manipulations? Is it just, um, does it look more like massage or does it look more like craniosacral? Like, how do you actually uh, do uh, it? How could I explain that? Uh, it comes from my my belly, let's say. If I need to, uh, to do a manipulation with a trust, to give the mobility back to to a vertebra, this is co oh yeah, this comes from my my belly, and I and I push the vertebra or the joint uh, to his physio physiological uh, place. I don't know if it's very clear, uh -huh. it's hard to describe. And craniosacral therapy, you just listen to your hands, and you're trying to rebalance. Um, the movement between, well, obviously you cannot touch the sacrum, but the, uh, the balance between the temporal bones, for instance, between the temporal um, yeah, bones and other cranial bones. This is the word I was looking for. Yeah, it, it rebalances uh, the horse. We, we often talk about the cerebrospinal fluid in craniosacral therapy, but you, as a therapist, you play with the breathing. You rebalance the breathing uh, on the horse, thanks to the cranial sacral therapy. Gotcha. Oh, cool. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's easier uh, with humans, or like with or with babies, because you've got one hand uh, under the occiput and one hand um, on the sacrum, and you can easily rebalance a baby for instance uh-huh this is how you check the good yeah the good movement of the body oh cool yeah that's so interesting it's amazing it's... how big of changes you can do with just those subtle movements <laughs> yeah yeah it's i mean it's it's fascinating i love what i do i've always wanted to do this it's i'm never you you learn so much i mean every horse is different and you learn, I mean, every time, every time, yeah, without Absolutely. any exception. Mm -hmm. um, do you have, like, a favorite thing to treat, like, that you just enjoy working through with the horse the most? Um, yes, I just enjoy being with, yeah, surrounded by horses and being able to, how could I explain? I, I would say, I mean, treating a horse, it's like... For an, an artist to paint uh, a canvas, you know, it's, I I can express myself. You 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 help a horse, you help a owner. I love. I've always respected animals, and it makes me so happy uh, when you when you see the horse who feel better. It yeah, it makes me really happy. Uh, and horses never lie, so I know they don't they don't cheat. <laughs> so no, they this, don't. <laughs> no, this is what I enjoy the most. I just I mean any 
any horses, any any disciplines. I'm just love being yeah. With, yeah. With horses, I started, it's so rewarding. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The the journey is really rewarding, as you said. We we always focus on obviously on the goal, but it's important. It's the engine. It's your motivation, but the journey is amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. Is there anything that you find where people, um, like, where people think the secondary problem is the main one, but it's really connected to something else? Kind of just those, like, common things you see where you have to treat kind of the root of it. Uh, for instance, the right hip is lower than the left one, but actually it makes a difference, believe me. <laughs> actually, this is... Uh, the left hip, which is higher than the other one, because the technique will be different. Oh. <laughs> exactly. So you would say, yeah, that's exactly the same. I mean, the right is lower, the left is higher, but no. depending on the confirma conformation of the horse, it it's really different. I mean, the technique will be different. Or, or yeah, I've got another, another example. When the owner thinks... Um, the fire didn't didn't do a great job, but actually uh, there is an imbalance on the sesamoid bones, which I can treat. Can be an example like this as well. But yes, it definitely happens. Or sometimes it can also be me. I mean, I can think, oh, okay, it comes from there. But actually, when I treat the horse, when I spend time with the horse, you're like, ah, oh, no, it was not there. There is also that to have a look at. Yeah. So it's not, it's not always obvious. I mean, you, but yeah, when you spend time with the horses, you, you, you can find different things. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, What are some things that people can do overall to improve the health and soundness of their horse? Um, I would say uh, have your horses checked by uh, a qualified therapist. It can be a, a chiro or a masseur or an osteo or uh, an acupuncture or shiatsu practitioner, but it's really important to have your... Because if your horse is feeling feels well in his own body, he's going to feel better mentally and he's going to be uh, willing to work or to do some competitions or go back to work. Or This is really important for them and we we owe them that, I think. They are very... They 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 help us and teach us a lot. So this is what yeah. And obviously, I would say to the owner or the riders to take time, uh, not to rush into uh, let's say gadgets. If I may say, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of training aids. <laughs> so I would say take your time. Just read exactly what it does. Uh, where you're going, uh, when, where on the body of the horse you're going to put that thing, do you think it's going to improve or do you think it's going to restrict the horse? I mean, I see it all the time. I mean, there is a new one <laughs> every year or every <laughs> six months. I would say uh, 
be very careful of what you buy. This is all I I can say because it can it can harm the horse. I mean, you, you this is probably a good intention, but sometimes it harms the horse. Yeah, mm-hmm. more than anything else. That makes sense. Do you feel like it's only competition horses that should get the regular be seen um, by like the bodywork or even casual riders too? No, no, no. I mean, I would say every horse. I mean, even a horse, um, just a hacking horse, because there is so many external uh, things that can impact horses' health. I mean, the feed, um, the weather, the grass, they can lead to, yeah, for instance, gastric problems or when even when they play in the field, they can harm themselves so i would say yeah any any horses they all deserve it <laughs> obviously the uh, competition horses would need more uh more follow-up more routine treatments because it's really important to keep them uh healthy and and sound so i would say obviously we more more treatment more follow-ups uh for for competition horses mm-hmm are you sometimes able to find the health issues when they're more subtle before they turn into big problems? Um, I I would tell you, I never know because when I find the, <laughs> the problem, I I treat it. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, before it leads to let's say a bigger problem or with bigger um, compensations. And bigger issues, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's yeah, that's why it's important to have them checked regularly so you avoid it's going to cost you less <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah, but that's for sure, <laughs> definitely. Um, all right, I'm gonna transition into some of these closing questions. Um, what books do you recommend most to people? Or what books have greatly influenced you? And it doesn't necessarily have to be horse-related. Ah, okay. Uh, It's it's mainly (laughs) horse-related. Horse-related is great, too. (laughs) Obviously. Uh, So, um, most of my books are are French, but the the Bible is um, uh, the books from Robert Baron. He used to be... He was an anatomist, and he wrote... There are in total five books, I think. This is a comparative anatomy of all mammals. So it's amazing. So you've got the bones, uh, the muscles, um, uh, vessels. You've got absolutely everything. Neurology. Uh, So this is typically the Bible. There was another um, book uh, which has... uh, it was an equine osteopath. He wrote two books. So there is one for yeah, ba- ba- um, general techniques of the horse. And there is another one uh, that I cannot find. Or it's extremely expensive because that person died many years ago. So obviously we, we can't find any books from him. Um, and it's about the craniosacral therapy. Oh, cool. Yeah. And also I've got, I mean, I read some personal development books as well, which 
help helps a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. I love. Do you have? Sorry. Do you have specific ones that you liked? So the last one I read uh, is there is an English version. It's um, zero kilometer. This is um yeah, kilometer zero in French, but it has been translated in in English. So it's um it's a good book. It's a oh, cool. really, really good book. And um, we yeah, this is how as I said, the journey is important and can be very rewarding and just to live live the the present, live the moment. And not not thinking of the past because it's past and not thinking of the future because you don't know what the future is going to be. Yeah. yeah. You can influence your future but you you cannot predict everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> no you cannot. All right. And then how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for success later in life? Do you have a favorite failure? Um, so to me, well, obviously, at the beginning, you, you think it's a failure. But with, with time and with um, more experiences, you, you think that it's just an experience. And what I learned is when you have a no or it's more like it's not a no you don't I know it's easy to say that but you don't take it personally you're trying to not take it personally but it's more than it's not a no it's just an opportunity for yeah for better opportunities in the mm -hmm. future you, you you're not thinking that when you when you get the no or when <laughs> when you get the the closed door in front of you but I mean with with time and the future and what is going to happen in your life, you you think, oh, okay, I was right. I mean, you, you, you're trying to let it go and you just have faith. This is what helped me as well. <laughs> Meditation, you have, you have to have faith, uh, trust, and the best will come. Yeah, I love Def that. <laughs> Definitely, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would say, yeah, it's nice to, yeah, to, to take that word or, to fail sometimes because when you are really passionate, when you really want uh, to reach your dreams, I mean, you you don't give up. You you just carry on. You're like, oh yeah, that's fine. Yep. <laughs> just just carry on. Just forget about it. It's it's not easy at the beginning. After like, oh yeah, that's okay. No worries. It's not that. It's going to be something else and probably something better for you. Something you're going to really enjoy doing mm -hmm. definitely have you had um like that experience with a horse or like a treatment where you felt like it was a failure at the time but then it ended up um opening you up to new ideas or like showed other things uh, yeah, of course when you don't really uh when you are not really confident you think oh uh, oh this is not this was not great. She's never going to call me back. Uh, <laughs> I should have done this. I should have done that. But actually, when you have the feedback the day before, um, the day after, or two days after, you're so you're so happy, and this is how you gain confidence uh, when you receive um, messages saying, "Oh, thank you very much for the other day. My horse is back to normal now." So you're like. Okay, I should be more more confident and trust my 
uh, my feelings and my hands. But nah, nah, I, I trust myself. But it was at the at the very beginning, when my f the first horses I treated, and I was like, oh, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. Uh, I'm not sure she understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, actually, when I moved in England, uh, I had a very basic English, and I was very very shy so this, this this is what I said as well I said oh my god she's not going to understand oh my god well, how do you say that <laughs> but, oh <laughs> but yeah English people are very very helpful and they're not really they don't really care if you've got a, a French accent or a foreign accent as uh -huh. long as they, <laughs> they understand you <laughs> yeah <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> all right um, and then what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, meditations, for sure. Yes, yes, because it it helps me with uh, my work, uh, the relation I have, uh, the relationship I have with my horses, the relationship I have with my clients, with their horses as well. It's a uh, yeah a general general asset now, and I, I I keep doing it. I keep doing it quite quite often. Yeah, at least once a month. Uh, this is something that yeah really helped me for in my yeah daily practice. I would say so. This, mm, yeah, my new my new routine, my new routine, and being positive as well. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to learn more about you or to contact you, um, where can they find you? Uh, so I've got a website, um, equine manual therapist or dot com, or they can also reach me on Facebook. My page is equine manual therapist and algotherapy. Oh, they can, perfect. Yes. So Wonderful. I'm based in the UK. So don't know if you've got yeah, American yeah, people from we America. Have, <laughs> yeah, we have some people from everywhere. I can imagine. Yeah, this is what I noticed. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Have a good night. The internet is jam-packed with information and opinions on how to care for your horse. But how do you know what to trust? Equitopia membership programs are especially designed for busy people who want research and evidence-based resources and support for the best horse and rider experience. Our members tell us that they love Equitopia's amazing whole horse, whole rider resources that are available 24-7 from anywhere in the world. We are humbled by the many testimonials from horse people who tell us that Equitopia was the missing piece in their horsemanship journey and that our platform has changed their lives and the lives of their horses. We would like to offer you 50% off of your first month in any of our membership plans and start becoming a better informed equestrian today with our exclusive members webinars, videos, the Equitopia Academy and much more to support you on your journey. Just go to equitopiacenter.com and use the code podcast in the checkout to get your membership at half price for the first month.